When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you on a Thursday. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Damon Barr is in. It's a Harvard sweatshirt, huh? Says Hawaii, Chris. Well, I, listen, I saw the top. It looked. You were leaned forward. My vision's going, as is my hearing, but not that badly. It says Hawaii. Why do they sell sweatshirts in Hawaii? Uh, to take them back home. Aha. Uh-huh. Damon's like, don't ask me any more questions the next two hours. <laughs> Good to be with you. Uh, can join us today on Hale Varsity Radio, 466-3776-800-825-5865. Numbers to dial up. Uh, give us a follow on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio at Damon Barr. That's two R's and can email Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Parker Gabriel, going to be with us from the Lincoln Journal-Star. Get his take on Big Red Spring football through 11 practices. Parker in about 20 minutes. We'll dive into kind of the the character risk of the draft, dare I say. And maybe he's not the only, but he's the name I'm most familiar with, and that's Micah Parsons. What do you do? with someone that talented and a lot of red flags. So we'll get in there. Gary Barnett with us in an hour. And uh, Brandon Vogel from Ale Varsity. Get his take on some Husker football. Danny Burke, the pride of Chicago. Burke's best bets will be with us. We'll kind of be doing this unofficial poll question throughout. And uh, it is pretty good. We'll ask Gary Barnett about it. But, you know, what team... Were you kind of taught to despise growing up? What team can you just not stand the most? What's the one team your family taught you to despise and why? And do you still feel that way? And uh, we'll get Gary Barnett's take on it. Interested uh, here, Parker Gabriel. So let's just call it like we see it from a Nebraska perspective. And, and there's four teams that that really – are are the multiple choice, and there's not a wrong answer. I mean, you got Texas, you got Oklahoma, you have Colorado, you have Miami, right? And you can go maybe Missouri, but just depends on on your age, right? Depends on how many tires made it back. Uh... Well, but you could say that about Boulder. You could say that about Columbia. I don't know that. That many Nebraska fans were treated horridly uh, by by Oklahoma fans. But I've been down to Norman a lot as a kid, and it was it was a good time. 
and thankfully the games went the, the right way. Uh, there's some K-State takes out there as well because uh, we've heard stories about K-State, but I've, I've never been to, to Manhattan, so I can't go firsthand. Boulder's always kind of a bleep show, but that was part of the, the, the charm of it. You knew going in, it was trust fund hazing time. So Texas, I had a great time, just not a great result. So think about that here. Uh, what team uh, were you taught to despise by your family and why? So we can go, is there one for you? I, I, I'm probably right there with, probably with Texas, but more so, I mean, it's Miami. And Miami by by a length. It was just my Miami and then Colorado's. That was always unruly. Oklahoma, they made you sad because they beat you in some magical way. And then Texas just always ruined the day. I mean, the only Miami game I've seen Nebraska play is 2014 and 15, so I don't really have much to go off there. I would say Texas, definitely, in my household. Less of Colorado hatred. That's kind of still the, the heaviest stuff predates me. So definitely Texas capped off um, you know when. Yeah, and, and te- yeah, <laughs> Texas just always wears you out. But pretty good poll question with Feinbaum. And I, I love that. We'll uh, get Parker's take on it. We'll hear from Vogel and Coach Barnett from a player and coaching perspective as well. But uh, can chime in on that. Chris at AleVarsity.com or 466-3776. Some practice thoughts, uh, you know, the day after Nebraska, 11 practices down. This is out. And uh, Willie J retweeted this, Will Wilson. And it is some early numbers for Nebraska with uh, odds. And uh, what's the line look like? And it's a guy that's kind of based out of Vegas that's been a media type that uh, does some sports handicapping. Uh, Powers is, uh, is his name, Brad Powers. And how's this grab you? So originally... Right now, as we sit here, you know, a week away from the spring game or a little more than a week away from the spring game, here are the numbers. Nebraska right now on the road favored by 12 against Illinois. Nebraska at home, uh, week three favored, make it week two because <laughs> week zero is against Illinois. Week uh you know, the, September 11th, Buffalo, Nebraska favored by 13. Huskers dogged by three touchdowns, 21's the number against Oklahoma. That seems about right. Michigan State, Nebraska's favored by just a shade under a touchdown, six. Nebraska favored by seven against Northwestern. Michigan, Nebraska's a pick em in Lincoln. Uh, Nebraska at Minnesota getting four points. They're underdogged by four. Nebraska favored by four against Purdue. Nebraska underdogged by 14 to Ohio State. They're 28-point favorites by Southeast Louisiana. They are 13-point dogs at Wisconsin, 7-point dogs against Iowa. That is six exactly on the number with favored games, and you get some coin flips. I think that Illinois game is going to be tough. I think the Buffalo game is going to be tough. I think they're. Tell me this: Is there with Southeast Louisiana? I look at that ball game, and I I honestly believe 
that Nebraska will find a way. Either Southeast Louisiana will switch their schedule around to play September 4th, or Nebraska will drop them and pick up somebody on September 4th. They'll get a bye game, and they'll try and get into that Oklahoma game 3-0. and End of discussion. I think that will happen. I don't have a name for you. But you go try and find a Bethune-Cookman again. You need, to, you need a runway build up here with some wins and some confidence. And you want to get to six. And why not knock three of six out ahead of Norman? I just don't see how you can't can't why it makes no sense to have an open date after Illinois and and not continue some momentum. Now if you have some horrific injuries in the Illinois game, God forbid, then you, you get healed up and healthy for Buffalo ahead of of Oklahoma. You gotta get this football team in a groove. You gotta get the offense uh in a groove. I think you feel really good about the defense. And it's okay to go there as a Nebraska fan because of the experience you have back. Love the Hale Varsity Mailbag where they ask some questions here about, you know, what are your concerns? And right now, if I'm listing them, it's running back, it's quarterback, and then it's, it's pass rush. And then offensive line, I think they'll get it figured out. But, but right now, um, I, I don't know that, that Michigan State's going to be a fun ball game on the road right after an Oklahoma game, whether you get dismantled in that or maybe you play well and get some confidence, even though it's a loss. We can go moral victory on, on the 18th of, of September. Sorry. I, I really don't like going uh, to that line in the sand. Northwestern's always a pain in the neck, but it's in Lincoln, which means it's probably a loss. Michigan's a pick because right now at the FPI, Nebraska and Michigan are very similar, right, at seven or six wins. Minnesota, totally beatable because you have, air quote, more talent on paper than them. They've just found ways to win, Spe- specifically last year when they came in with four scholarship guys. I'm kidding, but they were they were just decimated uh, when it comes to, to healthy dudes and scholarship coming off of COVID. and. Uh, the, the boat rower coached his ass off that game last year. You should beat Purdue. That's a home game. And then if you do flip out that Southeast, Southeast Louisiana date, whether it's the same team or a different team September 4th, I'm all for getting a bye right after Ohio State. Get me a bye. Get me healed up. Get me some chicken noodle soup. Get me some corn on the cob. And then load up for the, for the finish. That's Wisconsin and Iowa. Because right now, if Nebraska gets a bye on, on the 11th of November, your close is Ohio State by Wisconsin and Iowa. As it sits right now, it's Ohio State, Southeast Louisiana at Wisconsin, and then Black Friday, Iowa uh, on the 26th. That's where you got to go. Get, uh, get three in a row leading into Oklahoma. Get a bit of a break after the Ohio State game, and, and slip your buy-in SEC style right there. As we talk running backs here, let's uh, focus a little bit here on kind of the name of the week, and that is Jock Yant. We spent some time uh, yesterday on him, and let's kind of comb through. I was watching a little bit more film on on Yant, and 
Listen, his high school senior year highlights were incredible on Huddle. And he's a guy that's, you know, 6'2", 230. And, you know, what's, what's reality right now for Nebraska football at their running back position? The reality right now is you have guys that are not healthy enough to participate. You know, according to the Nebraska video that was released post-scrimmage yesterday, Gabe Irvin was was back at it. Great. So you got Irvin. You have Yant. You've had Scott. All right. And then you have Tompkins. You know, what's the future look like for Ramir Johnson, your most experienced guy? And what's the deal with Savion Morrison? Morrison's a guy, God, I'm so excited about in – uh, count me guilty of of kind of jumping on the old hype train with with Morrison, and it still could be a reality. You just haven't seen him, or at least we didn't see him last Saturday. You know what's, and, and you didn't see him last fall because he had some 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 injury slash COVID things going on. You know where is this running room running back room at? And good is my answer that you have a guy like Yant that Travis Fisher was able to see enough in. Get to Lincoln as a walk-on. Coach Beckton kind of echoed those sentiments as well. Think about where you'd be right now without Yant kind of making some impressions. He's not a walk-on. That's from Beckton. That's from Fisher. Both those guys who've recruited the heck out of the, the Sun Belt and Georgia and Atlanta and the state of Florida see the guy and go, man, he's, uh, he's somebody we were real fortunate to get. So the, the reality is this. It was kind of a, a gamble, and it's paid off in the form of you've got a big back for the Big Ten right now carrying the football in practice. He did that Nebraska drill where he was able to accelerate, lower his head, bring some thunder, and do his thing, and give me a big back like that uh, in, in Nebraska's backfield. Think about the last time Nebraska had a, a giant thumper back. Who was it? Corey Ross, the other guy that kind of comes to mind is is Cody Glenn, and and those guys went upper two twenties. So hey, good good on Nebraska having him. The other side is this: if I've got a guy like Ronald Tompkins that I think we all believe coaches when they say the guy can be special. If he can stay healthy, well, what's you know what's his schedule going to look like moving forward here from a practice standpoint, and what's the schedule going to look like from a practice standpoint from 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 a Ramir Johnson? Because you saw him a little bit against Iowa, and then you didn't see him. And you know what's what's the complete upside with a guy like Scott? I mean, another another talented Florida back. So you've recruited your butt off to get all these guys in the room. And you're just not getting uh, a ton of time with them on the field, at least from what we saw last Saturday. And, you know, how healthy are they? Well, there's not a lot of healthy logjam right now. So what's going to happen here moving forward here post-spring with this running back room? Uh, At least you have a guy like Yant. Is he really good and a viable option or is it basically just availability right now and that's not a knock on him at all he's worked his tail off to be uh, sound academically 
and I saw this kind of comp from a size standpoint, uh, height and weight. I mean, that's, and he's not the same, obviously, I'm not calling him Eric Dickerson, but he's kind of the same height and, and weight uh, of an Eric Dickerson when you think about one of the best ever uh, in the NFL and a guy who made an incredible payroll at SMU. Stapp is is a guy that the future is rehab right now. So the running back spot's my top concern. Part of the Hale Varsity mailbag questions we went through. And, you know, backup quarterback, too. We'll dive into it a little further here with Parker Gabriel, some NFL draft thoughts, and uh, more from Gary Barnett. And uh, I love that topic here. The team you despised most. Elijah Herbal off the top rope. Amani Cross, thank you. Amani was a nice get out of Georgia. So, yeah, there's your early numbers for Nebraska football from a pretty well-respected college football handicapper. And we're back. Fellas, you think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out. Hail Varsity Radio Thursday. Chris Schmidt, Damon Barr. We say hi to Parker Gabriel, Lincoln Journal star at Husker Extra PG on Twitter. Parker, what's up, man? How are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? We're good. We are good. Going to start you off with the question, so it'll take you a second to rack your brain. But uh, who's the one team in your family uh, or the one team your family taught you to despise and why? Oh man, that's a good question. Um, you know, my parents were not a sport, like not big sports fans. Mm-hmm. So the closest I can think of is my grandpa, my maternal grandfather, <laughs> who is probably the single kindest person I've ever met. Never swore, uh, never. Yeah, never hardly even got mad or cross, as he would say. He was born in Detroit, mm-hmm. and so he was a lifelong Tigers fan. And every time I was around him, um, and he'd read the, if he was reading the paper in the morning, he'd say something about the damned Yankees if they had won uh, the the day before. So that that was that's an early one. But otherwise, most of my uh, sports hate is self learned. So, self-learned, you're a Wisconsin guy. Is that go towards Iowa when you put on the fan hat, or is it Minnesota, or is it somebody, is it the Bears with the the Packers or Lions, or what, what's the team? Yeah, yeah, it's, um, it's not, I mean, uh, yeah, you know, if you, if, you, uh, <laughs> if you attend the University of Wisconsin, you just don't typically consort with, you know, people that attend the University of Minnesota, but that's that's all sort of, water under the bridge in my life at least so it's all for me like a number one the Cubs that's just that's sort of like the starting point in the conversation and okay. then uh, you know the the Bears probably fall in that category too so I guess uh, we can maybe just train the conversation on Chicago that's uh, no worries so I'm, I know media days <laughs> are all white knucklers for us more so for you uh Barker yeah. Gabriel's with us hey I just thought about it and really there's there's four teams to pick from if you're uh born and raised in Nebraska and I mean it's Miami it's mm-hmm. Texas it's Oklahoma it's Colorado and then maybe you sneak yeah. Missouri in there and yeah and, I think that makes sense yeah and for me it's it's probably the U. Although when I when whenever my dad would 
swear it was usually at Colorado. So that's that's, that's where... I think it depends. Doesn't it depend on what like the landmark um, events in particular are? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like if you were if you were of a certain age when Randy Moss, you know, moons the crowd at Lambeau, <laughs> the Vikings might climb up the list a little bit. They you know? do. And if you, yeah, yeah. And if you, uh, you know, if you have uh, watched one quarterback uh, or two quarterbacks in your lifetime pretty much, like, absolutely dominate the franchise just to the south of where you grew up, you just it might be harder to drum up hate for them because it just has been such a no contest mm-hmm. you know for most of your life it just sometimes things like that happen i like it parker gabriel's with us sale varsity radio lincoln journal star and at husker extra pg parker if you're a betting man are you betting heavy on nebraska getting a september 4th date and getting a buy uh, ahead of uh, the the close against Iowa and Wisconsin. We haven't heard a ton on schedule, but it's not, you know, you'd rather if you're Coach Frost in Nebraska have three games in a row to ramp up into Oklahoma. Yeah, that's a great question, Schmidt. You know, I I have sort of counted myself as a skeptic of that happening, I guess, but I don't know. The longer it goes and the more persistent um, the sort of, you know, talk of it is, and I think it's something that, We'll probably, you know, whether there's news in the next few days or not, I'm guessing it's something that 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 Scott Frost will be asked about mm-hmm. next week. But if they're, you know, look, if they, if if he in particular, if he really feels strongly about it, um, it's gonna, you know, it's gonna cost. Um, Southeastern Louisiana has a game already on that date, so if you bought them out of that game and then maybe incentivize them a little more to move up to September, or if you bought them out of that game and paid someone else, like it's going to, it's not going to be cheap to mm-hmm. do, but if there's an appetite to do it, I think we've all learned over the past uh, year on the scheduling front that, you know, things can happen on relatively short notice. I, I, I'm guessing if, if it's going to get done, they want it done as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and even though, I've sort of, I've sort of not quite shrugged it off, but just said, um, I maybe, but I'll believe it when I see it. It does seem like it's still, you know, potentially out there. Parker, I want to get your thoughts here on on the running back situation and, and your read on it. Post uh, practice yesterday, you had Jock Yant, uh, a talking point, and I'm all for big backs. I'm all for big backs in the Big Ten. And, you know, his film's pretty nice. And if Coach Becton and Coach Fisher say, look, he's not a scholar, he's not a walk-on, he's a scholarship-type level talent, then that's all good. Where are you at on, on the, the Yant discussion point? Is it great Nebraska found a, a, a potential diamond in the rough? They got a nice get here as a walk-on. Or is the bigger question and concern the, the lack of bodies with some of the kids they've they've went and put scholarships out for that haven't been healthy this spring. Yeah, uh, I, I think it's somewhere in between. It can be a little bit of both, maybe. I, I, I we'll see what happens with Jockey in the fall. Um, you know, he wouldn't 
it, it sounds like if, you know, he, he qualified academically really late, mm-hmm. um, you know, so had that not been the case and, you know, a lot of kids deal with that. Some of them in that situation might've decided to go to junior college and, and gone that route. And, and uh, Jacques Yant decided or had the opportunity, I guess, to walk on at Nebraska really late in the pro like August, I think July or August. And so, you know, that um, he's not your normal walk on guy in that regard. It was sort of opportunistic on both sides. Um, and so then, you know, I believe he's got some talent and I believe that, um, you know, obviously right now he's getting a ton of carries because there's just, not many healthy guys. Um, but I don't, I wouldn't go so far as to say that like the, if your concern level was a five mm-hmm. because of the running back injuries that, you know, so, and, and the guys that have just sort of been in and out and the overall lack of experience in that room. If your concern was a five, I'm not sure that, you know, Jock Yant should make it a two, you know, it's sort of, sure. Hey, if he's depth, it's great. Um, if he wins the job and he's the featured guy, that would be a quite a remarkable story. Um, and if he just ends up being behind four or five scholarship guys, then, um, you know, that would probably portend good things, um, just for the depth of the room. So we'll see how it plays out. Um, I believe that right now he's a factor and that all of these reps are putting him in position to maybe be a factor in the fall. Um, he certainly seems to be grasping the opportunity, but, um, you know, I think we, I, I want to see him for a month of the season first before deciding whether he's the, he's the answer to mm-hmm. all of Nebraska's running back woes, so to say. So Parker Gabriel's with us, Lincoln Journal star. Do you spend or mull over? We, we've spent time, you know, wondering out loud, do you go get a quarterback in the portal if you're not satisfied with the backups behind Adrian. And I think there's tons of upside with Harburg, you know, and we haven't seen Smothers really do much in live action, at least we did not Saturday, where there's tackling and, and his legs can absolutely be a factor. Do you mole a, 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 a portal spot at running back, just based on maybe some step uncertainty? Tompkins' his history of injury. You don't know what's up with Morrison. Uh, Ramirez been here three years, and we're talking about Yant. So, do you look at a, a, another running back this summer? Is that is that a no no? Yeah, I, I don't mean I don't think you rule it out. Um, you know, Nebraska's got the best information on exactly what the deal is with Marquis Stepio. We don't know exactly. You know, it's a you know a foot deal, and um, Scott Frost said it was something that he's had, and so if they think. You know, Frost said he'd be back by the summer. Um, you know, if he's really going to be fully healthy by the summer and, you know, maybe even it's something that might, you know, be, be put him in a better position than he was when he had foot and ankle issues, you know, a couple different seasons at USC, great. You know, maybe maybe you feel like you've got enough depth there. And I don't know, And we saw Ronald Tompkins back, uh, in action on on Saturday, and it looked like Gabe Irvin, you know, practiced this week, even though he was out on Saturday. Um, Savion Morrison was doing some work on the side uh, over the weekend when we were there, and so I, you know, if if all if all those things fall into place, um, there might be areas where you could address a bigger need, but uh, that's that's uh, why they get paid the big bucks is to make calls like that because if you don't know. 
if you don't know what Marquis Steph's status is going to be, or if you uh, know that there's some attrition coming in that room, which I, which I don't, but you don't rule it out at any position, um, or you know, there's, there's various circumstances in which that might be the best use of, of one of those two scholarships. It's a spot that every year that Scott Frost has been here, um, that room's been shorthanded by the end of the season. So uh, any way you can avoid that. And again, you know, like they, they ended up using Wando Robinson back there quite a bit mm-hmm. the, the past two years. You know, maybe they end up in a situation where they're using, they feel like they can supplement a little bit with a guy like Will Nixon or something like that, right? If you've got depth at receiver and all of those things, um, you know, factor into a decision like that. I would imagine that there's other areas that they'd like to address uh, in the portal, but certainly can't rule it out with that uncertainty. Parker Gabriel's with us. Parker, about uh, 45 seconds. Uh, what was your your level, I guess, of concern with kind of the tone of, of the offense yesterday not having a good day? Um, not that high, to be honest with you. I mean, I think there's questions on offense as it is, and it's human nature. Everyone, everyone has days like that sometimes, and both Greg Austin and Sean Beckton said that overall they've done some good things on offense this spring. They've had their fair share of good days. Um, and they were upfront enough to say that Wednesday was not one of them. So, I mean, I know how I know how it goes. You know, fans don't like to hear that they weren't locked in and and all that. It's obviously not ideal, but you just no team in the history of the world has ever been locked in every single day. So, I'm not sitting here and saying that they're going to go out and average 40 points a game this year, but I'm not going to get too worked up about a day in which a you know a veteran defense took it to them for one morning. Barker, we'll get caught up again. Thanks for the insight and the time today. Yep, have a good week, guys. All right, there he is. Parker Gabriel with us, Lincoln Journal star at Husker Extra PG. Good to get caught up with him. Some spring football. All right, the path to the draft. Do you bypass a talent like Micah Parsons? Some red flags to talk about next. Chime in, 402-466-ESPN, or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. Good stuff uh, from Parker Gabriel, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. So we were talking about Yant and, and Nebraska having that big thumper back. I said Cody Glenn. I uh, threw out pork chop Corey Ross, and, and Corey was lower to the ground, but man, he was he was nice running the football. And I I completely whiffed on like the all time big back <laughs> and uh, fish fresh on Twitter said, dude, how about Danimal? Dan Alexander? It's like two forty and six two, and we had freshman English together. That guy was insanely fast. My God. So let's talk about NFL teams and the buyer beware. We're a week away from the draft. You'll hear that here on ESPN Lincoln and some of our Hail Varsity Radio affiliates will have ESPN coverage as well. And think about some of the players that that really fell in the NFL draft. I think Aaron Rodgers falling all the way and uh, it's it's worked out well for him and for Green Bay. I think Randy Moss fallen as far as he did, and the Vikings pulling the trigger. And while Moss, you know, had some of the lost years in Oakland, 
Randy Moss is incredible and had a phenomenal career. Uh, you had the Honey Badger that had some air quote character issues, and he's been incredible. He's been a big time, uh, high level player and one of the best safeties in the NFL. And then, even though there was cocaine and marijuana issues, Warren Sapp had a Hall of Fame career, was incredible for Tampa. What do you think of Micah Parsons? I bring up Micah Parsons not because I'm a huge Giants fan or a huge Carolina fan, but he is the guy that you're seeing right now a week before the draft that is falling and there's red flags. And we're now four weeks into different stories about his character. There's concerns. Or is it BS being thrown out there so a team in the teens can get him at, at pick 17 or 14 or whatever it is opposed to somebody like Detroit pulling the trigger on him at seven. So it's pretty unanimous that from an athleticism standpoint, 6'3", 250, and a 4340, that his sideline to sideline and his burst is incredible. And he was a butt-kiss winner. I know he opted out last year, but the, the kid was incredible for Penn State. And if you're the Giants, I'm looking at the New York Post right now, I mean, they were synonymous with excellence when they had Belichick and and Parcells and a guy named Carl Banks and Lawrence Taylor, right? I mean, that's a thousand years ago, but man, they were awesome. But do you pass on a guy that can do about everything and anything you want and a guy that you're super confident in from a playmaking and an ability standpoint? Do you just say no? Well, the things I have read about Micah Parsons with his red flags goes pretty deep. And, and do we have we have Micah Parsons and his his response to some of the the red flag questionable character thoughts that, that are floating out there. Obviously, people have concerns about things that came up. But at the end of the day, I believe that I was a kid. You know, I was 17, 18. We all made mistakes when we were 17, 18. Uh, I'm not going to let it control, dictate the person I am uh, now. You know, I'm not going to let something that was three, four years from now dictate of who I'm becoming and the father I want to be. You know, I'm, everyone's going to learn and grow. Uh, I'm pretty sure none of you are making the same mistakes when y'all were 17, 18, or even 25. And if someone's going to judge me over that, you know, I'd rather not be in their program. You know, I know what type of person I'm becoming. I know what type of father I'm becoming, and that's all that matters to me. So uh, anybody who's willing to accept my wrongs when I was wrong and accept my rights when I'm right, uh, I'm ready to go in and give them my all. But, you know, if it's going to come down to something that I did in high school or, you know, something that I wish I could change, then, you know, I can only control what I control and what I do forward. So that's how I feel about it. Big-time questions about Detroit. Do you go one of the stud wideouts if you're Detroit? Do you go Micah Parsons in at number seven? And the high school thing we're talking about is inciting a riot. So he was kicked out of his first high school because he screamed gun and melee ensued. And when we get to his time at Penn State, there was a fight and a lawsuit. He was not part of the lawsuit, but he was part of the hazing where 
there were threats to Sandusky, a teammate. I'll let your imagination run wild with that name. And also a fight where he got into it with a former Penn State player. Fights happen with football players all the time. Not condoning or excusing. But this is a bit interesting where Parsons, I think his freshman year, rolled up on a teammate, poured water all over the guy while he was at the, uh, for lack of a better term, study hall. The water got on the guy's iPhone and laptop. So the guy went and got some Gatorade, poured Gatorade all over Parsons. Parsons threw a punch. The guy threw a punch back. They started choking each other out. And then the uh, the player grabbed a pocket knife, and that's when the fighting stopped. So when we're talking about red flags, you've got losing eligibility at a high school, getting booted out of a school, and then inciting a riot because he yelled gun. You have a fight with a teammate, and then you have the the sexualized hazing of a former defensive lineman with three other teammates. And there's a lot behind the curtain that goes on in football programs that if it came to light, you'd be appalled and horrified. Is he any different? The thing that comes across, though, is you've got one scout saying, look, um, there are some within the Giants organization that feel he is a lot like OBJ. And they got rid of him because, to quote the anonymous Scott, he was a pain in the ass. Despite the talent, they moved on from him. And some people within the, the, the Giants organization view him as a defensive version of that. He's got a little prima donna to him. He's got some, some attitude. He's got some entitlement. The guy's incredible. So can you connect with him? LeVar Arrington, former Penn State great, second pick overall, has been trying to mentor him. He's been doing some more interviews. You heard the excerpt from from Sports Illustrated, and his reasoning is sound. Dude, I'm a father now. I've got a three-year-old. I was an idiot when I was 17 or 18, and that's it. If you pass on me, he'll probably add that to fuel, and, and you'll regret it. When push comes to shove, you're not going to find a better defender in the league. Now, the Giants have misstepped on a couple of defensive players, actually a couple of players in the first round. Uh, Eli Apple is a guy. Uh, Flowers, if you remember, the, the guy who flipped off Memorial Stadium, the offensive tackle for the for the U. All right, that guy, they, they, they misstepped on him. If I'm the Giants, I don't know. I'm Carolina. I really look at him. That's even higher at number eight. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Gary Barnett coming up. Brandon Vogel from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine will do some Burke's Best Bets with Danny Burke. Reminder about buckling up. 70% of people in fatal crashes in Nebraska not wearing a seatbelt. If used properly, a seatbelt can reduce the risk of fatal injury by 60%. Your best defense in any crash, buckle up, do it. Brought to you by the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. We started off the show talking about that team you were taught to despise by your family. And do you still feel that way? So 
you know, covering things, I still go with Miami, an edge over Colorado. And then there's just Texas. Having a chance to, to interview Mac Brown after they won was doing some some radio work for Fox National and part of the job was to go interview opposing coaches or the winning coach and then I was the bad luck charm for a lot of those home losses against some uh, some big time opponents and you remember the red out round the world game where Nebraska lost to a not so great Texas team that finished five and seven they took a team magic's straight line speed away and made him go sideline to sideline. But I interviewed Mac Brown after the game for, for the national network and Mac's always been a good dude, but man, his teams just had Nebraska's number Miami. It's not that they just beat you, but they just taunt you and terrorize you. Who do we got? We got John, John, what do we got? What do you, what, uh, what do you want to talk about? You know, I, Smitty, lucky, luck, as luck would have it, uh, for a long time, I, I did security on the visitor bench on okay. the sideline of the football game. And um, so I, over the years, I developed some favorites and some that I could not stand, and it was very hard for me to keep my mouth shut over there amongst them all. So let's get, give me two favorites and two don't ever come backs. Okay. Two favorites without a doubt. Well, I, can I give three? Sure. There's three. Uh, number one favorite, um, Coach Fitz at North uh, Northwestern. He's money. He's Dude's awesome. awesome. And his whole staff is too. Uh, number two, um, Frank Beamer and Virginia Tech. Great okay. guys. Uh, his D coordinator, super good dude. Um, loved them all. They, they were great guys. And number three, as you just mentioned, Mac Brown is a very classy guy, and as much as people hate to hear me say it, their program was was uh, top notch when they were they were on the sidelines. Those were my three. We're, we're all glad Max in Carolina again. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know. So those are my three favorites. The three that I could not stand are probably along the, the lines of of what you might think, and it was and it was not even close. They were they were way out ahead of everybody else as well. Missouri, Colorado, um, they tied for the bottom of the toilet. <laughs> and uh, the last one, um, um, so Missouri, yeah, Missouri, Colorado, and uh, Iowa. Okay. Yeah, and uh, quite frankly, I'm not surprised the Iowa coaches got in the kind of trouble they did. Because um, they were something else. They, they are something else. Well, that is good stuff. Hey, thanks for phoning in, man. That's good insight. Yep. All right. Take Talk care. To you later. Bye. All right. There he is. Okay. So he, he has the Iowa take. Not that shocking. Gary Barnett, where does his uh, <laughs> hatred go? As a player and a coach, we'll know next. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. 
Back into it at Tower 2. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Let's say hi to the Hall of Fame coach, Northwestern and Colorado. Gary Barnett with us. Coach, happy Earth Day. How are you? Hey, Chris, thanks. Actually, my granddaughter was born on Earth Day. Really? And she is 13. Good. Oops, I think it's 14 now. But um, she is truly a lady of the earth. And so uh, just send her an email. That's awesome. That is so good. So are you are you celebrating Earth Day by making some birdies or just uh, well, just living just living clean? <laughs> well, that's the idea, but uh, <laughs> I, I think it the, the only answer I can give you that's that's uh, absolutely concrete it is her birthday and I sent her an email. That's about all I can say. There you go. There you go. Coach, uh, the, uh, the the topic of the week has been pretty good uh, with the College Football Super League. Uh, really enjoyed kind of discussing and dicing that. And, you know, locally here, it's been, well, Nebraska needs to be on it. Uh, it needs to be part of this this 15 programs that, that are in the Super League and in one one national outlet has Nebraska, the rest do not. Talk to me about Missouri, because I saw your alma mater uh, was included on it here. Let's do an arm wrestling match between Nebraska and Missouri's de- deserving of the Super League uh, inclusion. Well, I, that's a bit of a stretch at this point in time. You know, uh, hopefully maybe by the time Super Leagues come around, Missouri would have made the strides to where it deserves to be in uh, mentioned in that category, uh, you know the the, the whole lot, and then mostly that's because Cronky, uh, grad Stan Cronky graduated from Missouri, and uh, he certainly is a mover and shaker in the sports world. So uh, people just assume that maybe Missouri would be in there because of Stan, but you know I I think in the long run you, you're going to have to deserve to be in a league like that, and that means wins. It means. Uh, however, whatever criteria gets created in order to establish that, um, I'm not sure what it's going to be. I don't think, Chris, it's that far away. Do you think and it's a reality? The whole, the whole concept of it. When you say, I don't, I don't think it would be as um, maybe cash oriented as it's being made out to be in Sports mm-hmm. Illustrated and ESPN and stuff. But um, I, I think. I saw where one guy says, well, I put my list together in, in two minutes. And, and, you know, in reality, that that's probably what most people would do. There would be fringe teams, Nebraska, Missouri, et cetera, whoever, Tennessee, teams like that. But in reality, it it's the same teams every year that are in the top 20 mm-hmm. or the top 25. It, you know, somebody will sneak in for a year and then out. But And, and, and if you go back – 50 years, it hadn't changed all that much. So I don't know that this, uh, this Super League idea is that far-fetched, actually. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. I mean, it's it's fluid, and, and you've had some of these pillars of college football have a down decade, but the, the Blue Bloods always rise up. Who do you have a problem with, with the lists you've seen? It's been pretty on the money. I mean, the, to me, the, the teams that are 
debated about the three that come to mind, obviously Nebraska locally, and and how much do you go off of recency versus history, and what's your shelf life of your last good season or your last national championship, or are you, are you knocking on that door? Should there be any debate about a Texas or a Michigan or a Miami? Just, just, just based I, I on I would their... debate Miami. Would you? Okay. I would debate Miami. Um, I certainly would. I, I think the others, uh, you know, that I've seen that are friends, I certainly debate Missouri, certainly debate Nebraska. Um, I, after that, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, Tennessee would be really fringe for me. Um, but Oregon. Well, I think I think you've got to put Oregon in it. I, I I think USC Oregon, and I'm not sure that Washington wouldn't be a fringe team. Okay. I think that's a team that's. Uh, I think you go back and you look at everybody that's made it into the playoffs or been in the, um, uh, you know, the first the first, first set of games. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, should be a team that that uh, gets in there if. That's the kind of criteria we're using. Oregon would certainly fit that bill, where Nebraska, Missouri, Tennessee would certainly not, and neither would Miami. Um, you know, Florida State has just uh, gone downhill so far, so fast, that I would say that you could debate that. Uh, but, you know, the rest of them are, are pretty solid. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. So a question for you when it comes to spring football, how did you take or how did you manage, what did you do if, you, if your offense had a bad day during the spring and how did you kind of navigate that with the kids? And I ask that because it sounds like, you know, Nebraska's offense didn't have a good day. And I know last week we talked and, Defense is likely going to be set at the end of spring. Offense is still kind of fluid and, and, and growing. But what what is uh, what's okay in in, co- in a coach's eyes, a head coach's eyes, from a from a up and down kind of a yo yo with your offense, and also uh, when it comes to your defense, you uh, you coached a lot of years. How do you know if your defense? is really that good or it's your offense that's lagging we you know well we're doing this but we can't do this because our defense is good how do you justify and and, and kind of work through all that well i th- i think that uh justifying your defense and really trying to establish whether you're good or not mm-hmm. is is probably an easier thing to do than than uh, judging your offense, and and that's why I think that at the end of spring your defense is pretty set. You know what they can do, and offense is fluid and is going to change, and personnel has something to do with it. But uh, you know, there's three or four standards you want to use. One is, it, does everybody fit where they're supposed to be? In other words, they have a concept of the defense. They know where they're supposed to be. Do they know where their help is? Big part about playing defense is knowing where your help is, and. Um, so if, if you uh, are given the responsibility of turning everything to the inside, you turn it to the inside because that's where the help is. Uh, if you force it to the outside, that's where your help is. But you've got to know. You've got to know whether to force it inside or outside. So if you're consistently being, having the right fit in your, uh, by, by position, in, in, by defense, by call, in the right place, 
you're getting there. That gives you a chance. You know, a lot of guys can play college football um, because they know where to go. They may not get there the fastest. They may not have all the – but but it, you, you want to have people you trust that know what they're doing, and then uh, you try to work on their technique so they can do what they're supposed to do efficiently. Mm-hmm. So I think, one, knowing the fit, understanding your defense, um, whether your team runs to the football or not, and then whether or not they're a good tackling team. And that's the one that's the hardest to predict in the spring because you don't tackle that much. And um, the rules are set so that, if, if I'm correct, and, and this could be a day or two different, you yeah. know, off, but, you know, we used to have four days of the 15, and I think this is still true, where you can tackle the entire practice. And then you had four days where you could only tackle in half of the practice. And so compared to the way football used to be played, and I'm talking back in the, you know, to the 1990s, mm-hmm. you, you didn't have those kind of restrictions. So you could have a much better tackling team in those days because they had more uh, opportunities to to work on it, to uh, find out what they did wrong, to fix their technique. Today's uh, college football world, you don't have that in the spring. So uh, you can tell at the end of the spring whether you're a, a good tackling team or not. So those things sort of dictate as to uh, what kind of defense you're going to have. Gary Barnett's with us on Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, I saw this uh, on the, the Feinbaum show. I'm going to ask you, and uh, interested to get your take, and uh, what's the, the one team your family taught you to despise when you were growing up? And I imagine you... You grew up around uh, the St. Louis region. Were you were you an anti Cubs guy? Uh, you know, uh, I don't know that I ever learned it that way. Um, I mean, I, I, as a fan, I was an anti Cubs guy. As a as a college athlete, I was an anti Kansas guy. Um, <laughs> uh, I bet. And, uh, then, after but as that, a coach. I, I don't know. I mean, that was pretty much it. Cubs, probably Cubs and uh, Cubs in Kansas, because that was a rivalry for Missouri. I, I I would say I was wondering if it was going to be uh, you know Nebraska Oklahoma, but Kansas and, and Missouri that border war was well, that? I, I, now as I matured yeah uh, and became more aware of things, then it became the Nebraska Cornhuskers because that's what Bill McCartney beat into my head. So, uh, I mean, we could literally not wear red. My wife could not have a red car. She couldn't wear red to an event. Um, We had an assistant coach that his car dealer gave him a red car. Mac made him take it back. So for for 15 years... Uh, with and around Bill McCartney, that's <laughs> that sort of got ingrained in me. Uh, did that wear you out? I mean, think about it. What if your wife liked uh, wearing a red blouse? Uh, well, yeah, it did wear me out a little bit. And, um, yeah, well, that was it was one of the things we changed when we went back there. When I went back as a head coach, we no longer kept that mentality. We still, Nebraska was the game, mm-hmm. but, you know, if you wanted to wear red, you wore red. Of course, it was, it, you know, you were, you really shouldn't, and everybody <laughs> knew you shouldn't, but you, you, didn't, you at least had the freedom to do it. My wife is shaking her head going, uh-uh. <laughs> That's funny. Gary Barnett's with us. So who was the assistant that had to take their car back? 
John Vanderlinden. Okay. And was it a sweet sports car? No, no, we didn't get sweet sports cars of those days. But uh, uh, Matt came to the meeting, who's red cars on the parking lot? And Fandy says, well, it's my, it's my dealer car. He says, take it back. We don't drive red cars around here. So off he went. <laughs> <laughs> was, was that, did you expect that? I mean, literally, just knowing Max's personality and, and working for him like you did, it's one thing to preach it. It's another thing to have that kind of platform and rally and cry in the media. But then for him to go into a meeting room and say, dude, you're, you're going back to the dealership? No, Mac was the same all the time, all the way through. He, you know, that that was the way. At least he was predictable in those uh, those sort of things. Gary Barnett's with his coach. Last thought here, Trevor Lawrence. We got a, a week from the NFL draft. He's g- going to go number one to, to Jacksonville. And w- what do you like about Lawrence? And what do you like about Lawrence as you think he can transition? to the NFL, and, and also the pairing with Urban Meyer? Uh, first of all, I don't think there's anything not to like about Lawrence. Mm-hmm. I think uh, that he's probably the best prospect uh, in a long, long time to come out. The most top-to-bottom, solid guy. Every report I've read is uh, his character is, is beyond reproach. He His arm strength, his speed... As someone said, when you're outrunning players from Ohio State, you are fast. And, um, you know, everything about him, there doesn't seem to be a chink in that armor. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, uh, I think Urban, no question, made, created or is going to draft a guy that's going to be the face of the franchise for years if he stays healthy. Uh, and it's absolutely the, the very best way you can start as a new head coach in that league. When it comes to personality, did did you have a preference or did it matter? Uh, you, you just kind of grew to know and, and work together with your quarterbacks. Did you have a, did you have a, a kid maybe you passed on because you didn't like the, the personality or was there a personality you, you tolerated because, you know, the kid was, was pretty good? You don't have to name the, the guy, but well, how, how you important know, is um, Generally, when, when you recruited, you always got a report back from the players. And if and only one time did did I go against what the players said. If the players said this guy doesn't fit in, coach, mm-hmm. then gotcha. you know, that's the way it was because they they saw him, uh, they were around him, uh, they knew what it was really like. You know, the kid always puts on a facade generally, and, and you're always in an atmosphere with him when you're one on one with him where. He's going to say and do the right things. He's been told what to do and what to say. But when he's around players, people don't age, and you find out what he's really like. So, uh, like I said, I only, only went against the players one time, and they were right in the end as well. So, uh, now I, I didn't have, uh, you know, the quarterbacks I had, there. they were all different, yeah. every one of them, and all fun. And, uh, you know, it was – you know, Clack got a little serious on me every once in a while, but uh, you know we are best friends today. That's awesome. But I, I had to bench him one time. Just you know, he's just trying to do too much. But mm-hmm. um, now they were all fun to be around. Hagen was an absolute hoot, and uh, Charles Johnson, all those guys were. So, Coach, uh, enjoy your Thursday. Thanks for the time. All right, thanks, Chris. Great being with you. 
Good stuff from Gary Barnett in the the Nowhere Red Rule at uh, CU. Brandon Vogel's up next. And now. And now. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Someday we'll do the E True Hollywood story uh, from Coach Gary Barnett and uh, what kind of hoot Darian Hagen was. Once our interview ended, the uh, stories came out and they were beautiful. Something about a boa constrictor and threatening death. So we bring in Brandon Vogel, HaleVarsity.com and Magazine Managing Editor at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Vogues, I love this question from Fine Bomb. And, you know, who is the one team that your family taught you to despise and why? And dad swore about Colorado the most, but I think he hated Miami the most. And you could, I don't know, do you, do you cut off the, the four teams if you were to do a poll at Texas, Oklahoma, Colorado, Miami, or do you put Missouri in for somebody? We've been talking all week long about this, you know, power conference, you know, the top 15 teams. Well, let's go the other way here with the uh, the despise question. Uh, have any input for me? Uh, well, interestingly enough, I, I just found out. So it's more about what I didn't learn, what team I didn't learn to hate uh, from from my my father. I was talking to him the other day, um, <laughs> and uh, he he said something that kind of made me realize that when I became a Cubs fan, because they were on WGN and that was a team he could watch a lot, it probably. Uh, struck him a little bit to his core. His first baseball game uh, was a St. Louis Cardinals game, which, nice. I mean, so we lived way out in western Nebraska. They had to get on a train. Royals weren't in Kansas City yet. Uh, the Rockies were decades from existing. So that was literally the closest team. Uh, so he was always kind of a Cardinals fan, uh, which, like, I, I never really put together that, oh, me watching – 85 Cubs games a year probably wasn't his his favorite. So I guess credit to him for not not making me despise uh, the Cubs. Uh, and, and here we are. And on the football side, for me, it was probably Oklahoma. Uh, the first Nebraska game I was able to go to was that 87 uh, OU Nebraska game. Mm. And you, you learned pretty quick there that, like, oh, yeah, you're supposed to hate these guys. So. Was that uh, Charles Thompson or was that Jamel? No, Jamel was on the sideline with the beaver coat jacket, wasn't he? <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, my parents definitely bought some bootleg shirts that are uh, not appropriate for, for radio on our, on our way into it. I still have, I still have one of them. So. Does it start um, with an, an F and then it end with an OU? Yeah, it does. Um. <laughs> I remember seeing those as a kid. <laughs> did well, you wear? You see, did you, you wear one? No, it was. So I was. I was eight then. I got. I had my. I had and? my shirt fresh, fresh from the from the Cornhusker uh, gift shop, Cornhusker Hotel gift shop, which which I was quite fond of. It was uh, a combine. Mo- <clears throat> mowing down all of the other big eight mascots. So wish I still had that one. That's really nice. So mama and Papa Vogel had, <laughs> had that shirt. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they wore it to the game, but it definitely came out at some point in, you know, the three days around it. Uh, so <laughs> also it was freezing cold. No, no, exactly. I mean, you needed the long, you needed to go with the long sleeve version of it. <laughs> 
yeah. as you bought it on, on 10th and Vine. I love it. Brandon Vogel's with us. So, a lot to, to cover here, and I'm interested with, uh, I, I guess, your takeaways here so far through spring and, you know, kind of into the mailbag that, that comes out every Thursday on HaleVarsity.com. Let's focus on running backs here. And are you buying stock in Yant or is <laughs> is Yant like the just the, the first uh, MP3 player that was out? I mean, and I don't mean that horribly, but that's where I'm going because, you know, we, we talked about limited availability for the other backs. Yeah, it's. I'm I'm holding on that right now. It's, it's hard to uh, it's hard to tell because I haven't had the chance to to see him in person. Um, you know, some of some of you guys have. Mm-hmm. Um, I like but, him, but yeah, ha- having not, you know, and and with the limitation in terms of availability of some of those backs, it's just hard to know. You know, is this a is this a spring storyline where it's like you know, well, somebody's got to <laughs> carry the ball in practice, right? Um, or is it is it something real? And I mean, and his, you know, his size obviously jumps out at you, but also his his kind of trajectory. You know, he was he was a scholarship guy until there were some some qualification concerns, and you know, it wouldn't be out of the question that hey, if Nebraska's willing to like hey, we'll stick with you, uh, we'll give you a walk on chance, and let's let's see what happens. Um, and, you know, it's not out of the question that they they kind of found a gem there. Um, so. I'm definitely waiting to see on him. He's he's one of the guys I'm very intrigued to see um, at at spring game. Mm. Brandon Vogels with us, managing editor, HaleVarsity.com and magazine. Vogels, uh, we'll hit some some gambling uh, next with Danny Burke, but I want to get your take. Brad Powers is a college handicapper, and he's out with an early line on Nebraska, where Nebraska's favored in six, they're dogged in five, and you've got a coin flip against Michigan. Am I just nuts? Am I too in the forest here? Or am I insane when I look at like Nebraska's schedule next year and I'm like, okay, assuming Louise, Southeast Louisiana stays on the schedule, there's one win. And everywhere else, it could be a touchdown or less or a pick em or a loss. And that's just how I feel. No, no matter how good Nebraska's defense is, we don't know a lot about Nebraska's offense. And you know it's going to be close in the Big Ten, and things are stacked. I mean, the strength of schedule is 19th, and the strength of schedule in the Big Ten conference is number one. What do you think of these uh, these early lines? Yeah, they, they, they felt about right to me. Um, you know, usually when they release FPI and SP+, one of the first things I do is take those power rankings and use them to, to come up with um, – with projected lines for all of Nebraska's opponents. And those are, those are right in the range. Um, when I did that with the first set of SP plus rankings and then did the win probabilities, totaled those all up. Uh, Nebraska came in at about right at seven. Um, and I think with Brad powers and in, in the preview that he put out um, the win total for Nebraska was like 6.1 mm-hmm. or, or 6.2. So it's right around there. I also noticed that the, the Vegas power rankings he was using, gave Nebraska the second toughest strength schedule in the country mm-hmm. uh, behind Stanford. So to 19, you know, it's, it's all kind of in that range. And I think the big takeaway is that the, so that's three different power rankings. Now FPI is probably the lowest of those three 
on Nebraska, but they all seem to be a little bit higher than than I think where most of the fan base is starting this year. You know, they're the ones that live it every every day um, and, and really feel the highs highs and lows. It's not just numbers on a page to them. Um, so that might explain a little bit of that difference. But I see where I see where you're coming from as as well because well Northwestern's an example. FPI was way is way higher on Northwestern than anybody else I've seen. And you know all of these formulas have their own specific quirks. But whether Northwestern is that good as FPI says, or if it's way down the list, which is what SP Plus has, we know Northwestern's a tough out no matter what. You know, yeah, they were three and nine a year ago. But even then, like, they just – they win and lose close. So you can look at it and say – all of these power rankings say, oh, Nebraska's about a touchdown favorite or more over Northwestern. It's still Northwestern. And we've, we've seen Nebraska consistently over the past three seasons struggle in, in those games that, that end up pretty close. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to just be like, well, everybody's saying six or better, so here we go. Brandon Vogel's with us. Vogel's how how – important is it to trade out that November 13th game for a September 4th game? I think it's monstrous because I don't know that Illinois is going to be easy. I know they're transitioning, but the pig farmer, he, he does well against Nebraska and Illinois did well against Nebraska without him. Uh, Buffalo's coached really well and they're a good football team. And then you got Oklahoma looming. But you still have a chance to be three and zero going into Norman if you can pick up a game of that that week one that's now a bye. I think I think it's important to get that field and get a bye after Ohio State before you close with Wisconsin and Iowa. Yeah, I could I could see I could see arguments either either way. Um, you know, if you if you have to play uh, Southeastern Louisiana an FCS game late in the season. You know, it's kind of that that classic SEC approach, right? Uh-huh. <laughs> um, and, and I mean, and, and that's no disrespect to them. Southeastern Louisiana was almost a playoff team. Probably would have been if it, you know, had been a regularly sized FCS playoff. Um, so, yeah, you 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 could want that later in the season. I think a lot of this depends on okay, if we do think Nebraska is say top forty, which is where they're in these power rankings we're talking about is showing up. Um, are they ready to come out and take care of business? Because we saw them do that in like one of the most demonstrative, not do that. I mean, in one of the most demonstrative ways possible against Illinois last year. Um, so I think if, if they do and, and Buffalo, for all the reasons you mentioned, they, they lost, you know, a, quite a bit offensively, but really, really well coached team and, and a winning program under Lance Leipold. If you could come out of those, Two, two and zero. You know, I don't know how much that third win actually boosts you going into Oklahoma, but you got to get out two and zero, and and there's no guarantee you would do that. If you happen to drop one of those, mm-hmm. then yeah, you sure as heck would like another chance to get back on a positive track uh, before heading to Norman. That that opener is going to be so so huge, and it's going to be all eyes in co- in college football because it's probably the highest profile game because it's so early. It's supposed to be in Guinness country and it's not. So we'll trade it for the champagne room. So be it. And you get out of the gate, man, what a, what a win could feel like. Right. And, and just how about, a, how about some positive momentum 
to start a season for Nebraska and Frost. That'd be really good for them, clearly. But there's so many coin flip games, uh, at least early on with these odds, where I, you know, I think Nebraska should beat Purdue at home. I think Nebraska could beat Minnesota on the road, but that guy just finds a way. Fleck does to to perform really well. Uh, at least he has historically. Michigan, I don't know what their offense is going to be. Defensively, they're always pretty sound, but that that's winnable for Nebraska, but also wouldn't surprise you if you lost. And then Sparty and Northwestern, man, I mean, that's that's an arm wrestling match as well where you feel like Nebraska should win those games, but you're just uncertain. Vogues, I got about 15 seconds. Uh, what's coming up from you? Yeah, I'm hard at work on the on the yearbook previews. So a lot of this stuff is, is top of my uh, top of my mind. So we just got the April issue out featuring golfer Kate Smith. So uh, check out the website and get a little bit of a preview of that. It's it's a really strong issue. I can't wait for it, Brandon Vogel. Vogues, we'll talk Saturday. Thanks for jumping on today. Sounds good. Thank you. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Burke's Best Bets. Danny Burke back with us from the Beeson Sports Network. His show, Rush Hour, 6 to 7, on the iHeart uh, Media Outlet, of course, across the nation. And uh, Dan- Danny Burke 5 is where you find uh, Danny Burke. Pride of Chicago, how's your week? Schmitty, it's been good, my man. We've been doing pretty well with our bets, so uh, hopefully we get you guys some winners tonight as well. It is time for the executive suite in Vegas is what you're telling me. (laughs) Hey, that's the plan, baby. That's what we're trying to get toward. Well, good enough. Uh, Daddy, let's get into some NFL draft. And what are you kind of eyeing? What are you analyzing here as we're a week out? Yeah, so I've made about four official plays when it comes to the draft. I think we talked about one of them last week being Kyle Pitts under five and a half, so I won't spend too much time on that. But assuming the Falcons don't move out of the four slot, I think they're going to snag Pitts. And also, just throwing it out there, I mean, Mel Kuyper Jr. rated him, I think, as the highest tight end ever that he's ever done when it comes to evaluating tight ends in the draft. So, I mean, that just speaks volumes to how how high the potential is for Pitts, and that's why I also think it's almost impossible for a team to want to pass up on him, especially a team like Atlanta who could use a big weapon to fill in that tight end gap. So I like Pitts under five and a half. And then at Bet Rivers, uh, which I do the show of the Bet Rivers Sportsbook, they did a good job of posting up props specifically with teams in what position, either being receiver, lineman, et cetera, they're going to go, or offensive and defensive. So with a couple of them, uh, for starters, with the Lions, their exact playing position of first player drafted, I went with wide receiver plus 120. Instead of dabbling with the specific receiver, I just took a little bit of plus money, just assuming they're going to pick a receiver. Now, the new head coach we know is offensive-oriented, and look, I get how bad their defense was. I mean, it, it was just atrocious, and I understand that, but... I guess one way to look at it is obviously you've got to fill in the gap that is Kenny Galladay. You're bringing in Jared Goff. You need, you need someone to throw to. They literally have no stud receiver. The most notable name might be Perriman or Quintus Cephas out of Wisconsin on that receiving court uh, as of this point. So in my opinion, too, with one of those top three receivers in Smith, in Waddle, and Chase, I think those guys can have more of a direct impact right away than anybody could on the defensive side of the ball for this Lions team. Now, granted, I get it, you're building for the future. It's not going to flip everything around right away, but I do think the Lions go in the direction of a receiver, so I snagged that at plus 120. Another bet that I did at plus 120, the Bengals to get an offensive lineman. We talked about this last week, Schmitty. I mean, I know there's been speculation that maybe they reunite the LSU teammates and Chase and Burrow, but 
at the end of the day, Burrow needs time to be even able to throw to these guys. I mean, just look at the scar on his knee. You tell me that he doesn't need an offensive lineman and one that potentially could be fantastic in Sewell. And again, instead of maybe the wild card Slater gets snagged for some reason, if you don't want to risk it that way, take a little bit of plus money at plus 120 and bank it on the Bengals to make the smart move and get an offensive lineman. So that's another one I did. And then finally, the Eagles playing position of first player drafted. I think they're going to go with the receiver, but there's still a chance that um, they could go with an offensive lineman here, Schmitty. I mean, their O-line was brutal. I think Carson Wentz got hit the most this past year. And, I mean, look, Jalen Hurts is a mobile guy. They still said he's not going to be the number one guy, so heck, who knows, maybe they even get a quarterback. But regardless, that still puts you under the category of them selecting an offensive player. So instead of dabbling with one or the other, I laid a price here, minus 155. But I think that's a smart bet to bank on the Eagles selecting an offensive player. Danny Burke with us. Burke's best bet. Some NFL draft, uh, NFL draft uh, possibilities is what he's looking at here. Offensive or defensive player, wide out, uh, position specific. He's talking to a, a Bengals insider, more of a fan, but um, he's thinking that Chase reunites with Burrow. Uh, but I, I totally agree with you that Slater's an option, uh, the Northwestern standout, or for sure uh, you've got the kid out of Oregon, uh, Sewell, that has wowed a lot of people. And, you know, Zach Taylor was in person watching his pro day. You know, you look at the Lions, and they went with Akuda last year, I think third Mm -hmm. overall. So Detroit just (laughs) just did first-round defense in Akuda. You know how good he was at Ohio State. And I like your take with the Eagles. I think those three wideouts between Smith and, and Chase and Waddle, they're going to get snatched up. I mean, you're going to have Pitts. You're going to have the three wideouts go somewhere probably between that uh, that 6 and 10 spot. And then you got the quarterbacks. So the, the question is, where do you get a – where do you find a defensive guy to go, right? I mean, is it going to be a defensive back that's, that slides out at 10? Does someone uh, pull the trigger defensively? Uh, after that quarterback run, potentially. Who knows? But it's pretty exciting to, to try and handicap it and see where we're at. Going to be awesome to have, you know, a, an old-school draft feel, finally, with fans allowed to, to get things cranked up here next week. Yeah, and you're right. I mean, look, at the end of the day, again, I mean, you make a good point, too. The Lions went defensive last season with Akuda, and it's not that Akuda was bad. I mean, I believe he was a little bit banged up, but – Really, you know, it could be one of those things, and maybe I'm just using this as another angle to look mm-hmm. at it to try to give myself more confidence. But if you're a brand-new coach and you're offensive-oriented, I think you would want to go in that direction a little bit more. So as bad as the Lions have been, you bring in a new quarterback in golf. If you're going to make some noise right away, you have a better chance to do it right away offensively than adding one of these defensive guys who, in my mind, aren't as good as the receivers who are going to be available early on. So that's why I think they go the direction of a receiver. Well, and just think about it. Let's Let's just – look at our needs versus best player available. And if our needs are a, a better offense, more talent around a new quarterback, let's get off on the right foot with what my vision is here in, mm-hmm. in Motor City. Danny Burks with us, uh, Burks Best Bets, Pride of Chicago, his uh, show Rush Hour 6 to 7 Central on the Beeson Sports Network at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Danny, you've got some plays. Uh, what are you thinking NBA tonight? Yeah, NBA, I'm looking at a prop tonight with the Bulls matchup. I'm looking at Kobe White and his points prop. 14.5 is what we're seeing it at. Now, obviously, if you have the book available to you or, you know, if uh, one of the – 
let's just say offshore books that you got has this available. I think it's a good spot here for White, 14.5 to the over. He's only averaging about 14 points per game, and as a Bulls fan, don't get me wrong, he's arguably the most infuriating player on the team with how much he turns the ball over, but he's really good at creating shot opportunities. In the first matchup against the Hornets, who they're going up against tonight, in the middle of January, he dropped 18 points. It's a favorable matchup for White because about 45% of his shots come from three, 28% come from the rim. He's making about 34% from three, but 52% from the rim. The Hornets allowing 65% shooting at the rim, 23rd worst, and 19th worst when it comes from opponents at the three. So I think Kobe White goes off tonight. White could do his thing. Uh, what about Major League Baseball? What are you feeling there? In Major League Baseball, I'm also looking at another prop. Walker Bueller is thrown four strikes in three consecutive games, but his prop number is at about six and a half, even seven and a half if you shop around. So I laid about minus 165. I get it. It's chalky, but I got a whole one number better from six and a half to seven and a half. I think he stays under. The Padres consistently have a pretty good strikeout percentage. As of late, they've been doing bad because they went against two possible Cy Youngs on the Brewers squad, but I think Bueller stays under seven and a half Ks tonight. Danny Burke, Burke's best bets, the pride of Chicago. Danny, about uh, 20 seconds. Any feel what San Fran does back to the NFL? Do you think they go Mac or do you think they go Fields? Schmitty, this is hysterical to me because we've talked about this so much on, on our show, Rush Hour, because it keeps flip-flopping. Truly, I don't think anybody knows, so my opinion is to just stay the hell away from it unless you take a guy with plus value because there's no reason laying it because it's just going to keep going back and forth. But realistically, heck, maybe take the most value and go with Trey Lance, and it's going to be his redshirt year, and they go with Jimmy G for one more season. That could be an angle to look at as well. Danny Burke, follow him on Twitter, at Danny Burke 5 catch his show, Rush Hour on uh, different uh, stations across the country and of course the iHeart uh, podcast spot Danny thanks for the time bud you had Schmitty thank you miss us come here brother give me a hug bring it in for the real thing we're on call for you catch the podcast at hailvarsity.com the ESPN Lincoln app or download them on iTunes saddle up partner back to Hail Varsity Radio one final time, Hail Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time to relax, time to soak. You do so with Deb the Spa Lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2, off Industrial Road in Omaha, spasonline.com. Deb, you know who needs to go soak is old Salvi uh, with the Royals, uh, the, the tear he's been on. Man, oh, man, oh, man, he needs, he needs to cool down. He is something else. Oh, gosh, I just love this watch him and hear I love to hear him he's just so he's so excited how could you how could you not get enthused with him as a teammate he's incredible and he's been hot and the Royals are doing well Uh, and uh, you know what I bet you money if Deb the spa lady put one of those eight seaters out uh, around the fountains at Kaufman Uh Salvi put one in the in the hot tub Probably would. Oh, that would be that'd be a great promotion. If Dalvey puts a home run in the hot tub, uh, somebody wins that hot tub. That'd that be would, good. Yeah, I think that'd be great. We'll just have to throw okay. it out at, at Haymarket. We'll just do it at Haymarket. Or, or okay, we could we could do that. I'll get my little floaty wings and my ball glove, <laughs> and I'll just camp out in left field out on the berm. Well, we'll just put you in it. There you go. Well, you gotta. I, like I need. A, I need a. I need a friend. You got to come with me. 
Okay, I will. <laughs> there we go. Deb the Spa Lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2. So, Deb, let's talk swim spa because that can go hot or cold. Doesn't matter the season. It's got the perfect temperature. That's right. And you're right. It's year-round. You don't close it down in the fall and then open it again in the spring and use it for three months. Use it all year long. Just adjust that temperature, whatever you like. You know, in the summertime, turn it down and go out there and lay on your floaty and soak <laughs> in some rays. In the wintertime, turn the temperature up, exercise, and then just sit back and relax. So, yes, it's, it is something else. And that swim spa, is uh, it, it will definitely shock you when you first see a swim spa. You can't even imagine what it looks like until you see one in person. Well, you've got one. And, Deb, when can folks come see you at 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln and check out that swim spa? It wasn't that long ago I rolled by and Deb's – I mean, seeing a picture of Deb in the, in the, in the swim spa is pretty remarkable. That's right. <laughs> well, we're open 10 to 6 Monday through Friday and 10 to 4 on Saturday. So anytime during those hours – Pop in here, even just for a minute or two, just to get a look at it. I think you'll you'll get a kick out of just seeing what it looks like. Well, Deb, real quick as well, just from a selection standpoint, if you want to go smaller than the swim spa, you can do that. You've got mm-hmm. uh, you, you got something for everybody. We really do. We have anything from a two person; uh, those are popular. Then we have mainly, uh, I would say, the most popular size is seven foot by seven foot. Mm-hmm that would seat six people or eight foot by eight foot. Either one of those, we have uh, different models to choose from, different price ranges. Always we have the best prices, Mm -hmm. best service after the sale. Go see Deb the Spa Lady, Home Innovation Spas, 20th and Highway 2 in Lincoln off Industrial Road in Omaha, spasonline.com. Deb, we will talk next week and talk some NFL draft, okay? Okay, sounds great. All right. Bye-bye. Take care, Deb. There she is. That'd be awesome. Not only getting a hot tub out of the old ballpark, but how about a a draft party in a hot tub watching the draft to be good. Back tomorrow at 4 on Hale Varsity. Thanks.